Telus International Studios, where customer experience meets digital transformation. Welcome to Telus International Studios, a podcast series brought to you by Telus International, where we meet global leaders in customer experience, innovation, and digital technology. I'm Patrick Hawhey, and on this episode, I meet Lucas Enzerdorfer Conrad, who is the Chief Product Officer at Bitpanda. Bitpanda is an all-in-one digital platform used for investing in stocks, exchange-traded funds, or EFTs, metals, cryptocurrencies, and crypto indices. If you are interested in things like the future of investing, cryptocurrencies, financial regulation, fintech, and just business in general, you are really going to get a lot from this interview. Lucas is a real thought leader in this space. If you enjoy what you hear today, please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow the series on Spotify. That really helps more people to discover the series. So let's get straight to the conversation with Lucas Enzerdorfer Conrad. Lucas starts off by describing the problem that Bitpanda has set out to solve. Investing in general in Europe, and you have to bear that in mind, is not yet very common, right? There are way too less people invested into capital markets. And this is on the one side due to education and financial literacy, but definitely on the other side also due to um, uh, too high uh, barriers in the end to start investing because uh, if you traditionally want to buy one stock for example and you have never invested before and uh, the best example is always the amazon stock uh, which is currently at three thousand us dollars or above three thousand us dollars in price um, to buy that you already need a large amount of money um, and the easiest way to try things out still is uh, to have super low amounts of money meaning one euro five euros or ten euros even uh, and to invest it into a fraction of an asset um, to exactly uh, try out and get into that. And that's super crucial from my perspective. So you created Bitpanda and uh, you're helping people to make these kind of investments. Exactly. We started Bitpanda uh, with the main idea to make investing into Bitcoin as easy as possible and super convenient, mainly due to the technical challenges which blockchain technology has uh, in 2014-15. But it, this evolved both on the one side to bring this simplicity and easiness to all different kinds of uh, crypto assets on our platform. We have more than 80 currently, but especially also to bring that simplicity and easiness to other asset classes, to lower their the barrier for investing. Um, and these assets are stocks and ETFs. And what we at Bitman enabled, um, simply besides uh, our quite successful crypto business, is to enable customers to invest already starting with one euro into a fraction of an asset like a stock or an ETF and to trade it 24-7, which is non-existent um, in, in Europe at all, that you can trade stocks and ETFs outside of normal exchange opening hours. So the industry in general, um, Lucas, has it grown up a lot in the last two, three, four years? Yes, absolutely. I think what you can see is that after 2017 and 18, uh, on the one side, regulators uh, stepped stronger into the spaces of crypto for crypto regulation um, to build up a proper framework of how to handle this or how to handle this new asset class. And on the other side, also the existing players in the space stepped up their game. Also, we've grown from 2018, where we have been um, roughly 60 people in our company to nowadays 600. We are regulated all over Europe and all different countries, even that we are based and originally from Austria. Um, and so we serve more than 3 million customers in Europe with exactly our offering of 
of uh, this easiness and simplicity to invest into crypto as well as also stocks and ETFs on our platform. And what this growing um, regulatory environment, what has that meant for you on an operational and a business perspective? Has it made life harder or has it actually made life easier or in terms of opening up the space? Regulation in general is a very good thing. Why? Because it brings security, compliance, and safety um, to an industry or an, to an asset uh, class, which uh, was completely unregulated before. So this helps, especially when it comes to retail investors, to the trust in uh, the intermediaries and the markets. And on the other side, for us, it also helps to have clear guidances and clear rules. By, uh, if you play uh, uh, with these rules and by these rules, then um, you in the end are safe also as a company. And we believe that uh, regulation is fostering simply also the maturity level of the industry, of the crypto industry in general. And you can see that in the US, as well as you can see that in Europe, all over the places, also other countries where regulation gets stronger and stronger um, in crypto, as long as that regulation is not killing the business or simply, um, uh, yeah, uh, making it much harder for people to use the technology of blockchain technology. But this is something the European regulators, and we are in constant exchange with them, with the European Central Bank, with the European Banking Authority, with the ESMA, um, to ensure that um, also industry-based practices are baked into that regulation. And is that regulation constantly evolving and changing, or do you feel is it at a level now that it's going to stay at for some time? For sure, it may depend on the country, but we have definitely not yet reached the level of um, the maturity uh, full, of full maturity of regulation. Um, this will come in Europe. Uh, it's called MECAR, which is the crypto regulation which is currently being fledged out and introduced and then to harmonize the regulatory landscape of Europe when it comes to crypto. And in the US, uh, it's quite similar. They're also there. It's still evolving on a constant basis. Um, for a regulatory perspective. Why? Because also the technology um, and the possibilities the technology give you, for example, decentralized finance, DeFi, is constantly evolving and quite innovative. So I also believe that there will not be the state where suddenly the regulation is here and then it's done. Um, also, the regulators have to ongoingly in the future adopt to technological innovation and disruption in that space. And has there is the technology growing at a really interesting and phenomenal levels compared again to three, four years ago? Are we in a totally different place? Yes, it definitely can be. I think you only have to bear or also bear in mind where the crypto industry was standing four years ago, right? It was uh, earlier, mid 2017. Um, this bull run um, back then was in the middle of uh, a lot of retail customers for the first time in their lives heard about this Bitcoin thing. So uh, in the last four years, a lot, a lot evolved. Nowadays, you have traditional players, you have hedge funds, you have tra um, traditional banks starting to offer crypto it, uh, to their customers. There is an Australian bank with 6 million customers who now, where now customers can, can buy and invest into crypto directly in their own bank, right? Stuff which was in the last years not even imaginable, uh, which happened at the super rapid pace um, and in the end leads to adoption. And we will see exactly that even stronger over the next years of adoption and integrating crypto uh, in traditional uh, financial service industry use cases and on the other side on completely new ones like the DeFi space, the NFT space um, and some others. So along with the technology and the, the regulation cr which creates trust, what, what are some of the other big drivers of crypto adoption in the last recently? On the one side, I said 
regulation and therefore security for and therefore security for traditional players, institutions, banks. The other topic simply retail interest, which has grown even stronger and has gone away from seeing crypto as some speculative asset, but especially something which has very, very interesting use cases um, to play around with. This can be use cases like staking, but also other use cases where you can simply buy an NFT on an NFT marketplace platform, which represents a certain um, piece of art, which represents a certain character in a game, uh, which uh, represents a certain skin uh, in a metaverse uh, universe. So there are, in the end, is also a strong retail driver still in the whole crypto space. And what about the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic? Has that brought about a lot of change? I think the pandemic, a little bit independently of crypto, just simply accelerated the transition of our whole society to technology over all different levels of ages and it fostered exactly that people got even more into technology. And yes, as part of that, you can see that all over the markets, also in traditional capital markets, retail exposure and engagement with investing money uh, also got stronger and thinking about what to do with their money. And for crypto, it's then a combination of people getting more into technology and also therefore getting more interested in the blockchain technology. And on the other side, um, facing the topic of how to invest money and where to invest money in times of negative interest rates, in times of um, higher inflation now, um, and their crypto is a highly interesting asset. So wh- what kind of customers would you have? Bitbundle is serving all different age groups. So we, it's not that we only have young 20-year-old students who want to invest um, their spare money into Bitcoin. It's all different kinds of age groups throughout all different countries in Europe, for sure, Austria, and um, the Dach region is our home market, but also other countries are very, very strong within our customer portfolio in Western Europe, Spain, France, for example, also in uh, Eastern and Northern Europe. Nevertheless, um, the typical customer, so from an age perspective, that's completely distributed, but also from a wealth perspective, right? You have people who invest 10, 15, 20, or 200 euros, but then you also have people who, have, who are more wealthier or who are wealthier and to invest in larger amounts of money um, in the assets they believe in uh, and also within the crypto space. So I would say Bitbun is a retail investment platform catering the individual needs of all different kinds of people, either age groups or also wealth state, um, wealth levels. Yeah. And as a fintech company, do you face some pretty unique customer operations challenges? I think the topic um, yeah, which when it comes to custom operations to to take it from that angle is always we are an online platform and therefore people cannot just walk into one of our um, brick and mortar um, 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 uh, facilities or so to ask questions we are strongly fostering on the one side to have enough educational content um, and uh, self-service out there so that people can simply get their information instantly if they require it on the other side, we focus strongly on providing a superior customer support experience. Um, and therefore, you can also look it up on Trustpilot. We are really highly ranked and rated uh, through our customer support. And this is especially in the crypto space, not that common because you there have normally exactly short-term market movements, which brings suddenly a lot of new interested um, customers. And as part of that, normally also suddenly a uh, uh, stronger load in customer uh, service uh, efforts which are required 
but I think what we learned over the last years is exactly to handle their our customers the best way possible in that regards. And I guess when when it comes to people's money, there's a level of emotion that comes to a call with an agent, for example, a customer experience agent. And on top of that, the technology may be a little bit more complex than they are used to. So I guess you need a, a, an agent who can both have that empathy to deal with the emotion part, but also is technically skilled and versed enough to be able to handle that part. Absolutely. I think um, just training, but especially hiring the right people for a customer um, service and uh, customer uh, quality excellence is crucial to ensure that you as a company are represented the way you also envision it from uh, service level, quality level to the customers um, in the best way possible. And this is simply why we really, really um, focus on our customer um, service operations to ensure that even in times of high volatility and therefore high market load. In terms of that, we've spoken about the, the trust element, but, but we're seeing scams related to cryptocurrency um, growing. There's more of them, for example, Squidcoin being a, a high profile one. How are you handling the issues that this throws up and how is the industry trying to build greater trust in cryptocurrency? This leads me back to the topic of the one set of regulation because it's simply <laughs> also a trust factor. On the other side of having players in the market like us who are strongly fostering on ensuring and facilitating the trust factor of retail investors into not just the industry, but especially the intermediaries they are facing with uh, and dealing with like us. Um, but on the other side, for sure, it's also super interesting to be in such an innovative space and to invest in that area or to buy an, a, an NFT and to collect some of them um, in, in that regards. So I think the topic of trust is also quite community driven and uh, built by a community of people who's believe in that asset and asset class. Yeah, well, that's a that's a thing. So you do. There is a kind of a there's there's that core community. And do you ever see it becoming a mass market thing, or will it always remain? Even if the community, of course, will grow larger, but will it always be less than mass market? I personally believe that in the future everyone will invest into crypto, but for sure they will not invest um, the uh, largest amount of the portfolio or one hundred percent into it. You have to bake it into your normal investment strategy accordingly, or you use the use cases all around the blockchain technology, as said, for all different kinds of services. And there, I believe we are just at the beginning. Over the next years and the next decades, we will experience so many different applications built out of blockchain technology and on top of it, um, because it will be like with the internet um, in the 90s and afterwards in the 2000s, where everybody already thought, oh, social media is exactly that's, that's what the internet is now about. And now we are in uh, 2021 um, and, and we are experiencing now the next step of the internet uh, and also there are completely new applications. And exactly that will happen with blockchain technology in even more disruptive way. And on that a topic of growing the community and growing adoption, what are some of the big ch uh, challenges, some of the obstacles, what's preventing greater crypto adoptions right now? What's preventing it? I think... It's currently simply a process of maturity and we are in the middle of it, of maturity, and we're in the middle of it. And this simply takes also a certain amount of time. So it's not about something preventing it, it's mainly about the curve of adoption within all different um, levels of society. 
Okay. And that relationship between traditional uh, legacy banks, let's say, and the industry, has that changed over the last couple of years? Has it got better? Because it certainly wasn't uh, particularly good a number of years ago. It's a really good question and topic to touch base on, because when I started in that space, right, no bank uh, in Europe, but also in the U.S., uh, one wanted to get uh, engaged or even um, or wanted to bank with any customer related to crypto. And this was super hard back then for a company, but also for an individual to uh, be exposed and involved in the crypto scene. And on the other side, um, having a normal bank relationship. Uh, and this simply has gotten much, much better nowadays. Nowadays, even as said, banks are looking how they can offer crypto, how they can have blockchain use cases, how they can interact with, with the whole industry. Um, and that was definitely, to a certain degree, driven by regulation and by simply, therefore, taking away the uncertainty for companies and especially banks um, when it uh, comes to, to crypto and how to deal with it. Well, it seems like regulation has really is making the difference in so many different areas of, of what we've spoken about today. Are there any regions of the world that are, are not developing regulation fast enough? And is that having an impact on the industry? I think the best example in that regards, especially in the industry, is always China, um, where they have chosen simply to go a completely different route and not putting crypto under the normal financial market regulation to have a grip on it and to control it to a certain degree but to simply be much harsher um, and to uh, try to get rid of it to a certain degree, at least, um, especially about the speculative aspect of crypto um, and the high volatility in the markets. So I think that's an example of doing it differently than, than the US and Europe, where uh, the regulators mainly focused on how to enable growth within a controlled environment. Because in Europe and the US, um, regulators in countries, uh, governments are just always fit about money laundering uh, and about customer protection, uh, where they simply then focus strongly on, while China has uh, for sure different uh, goals uh, in, in controlling and regulating their, their market and country. And is it likely that China's goals will become more aligned to the Western world's goals at any point? I think to answer that, uh, super tricky because it uh, turned already in the last years a couple of times in the one or the other direction. So what I really believe is for sure you cannot uh, forbid crypto in any way as a country. It's, it's, it will always be super hard to do that. Um, and if Europe and the US can show that there is a super regulated way of uh, still fostering the technology and the industry and also owning and using crypto, and then that suddenly also the Chinese government uh, sees that as a chance for the country. But let's see. Let's see. Exactly. <laughs> well answered. Um, <laughs> in terms of the transformation of the corporate world, will, will crypto transform the corporate world over the next five or 10 years, do you think? With the corporate world, you mean normal companies, for example, um, and the way they do business or anything specific you're thinking yeah, about? Yeah, that, that. The, the way normal companies, large enterprise companies, is it, is it something that they have adopted? Is it something they, they are likely to adopt? And, and how is that transforming them? Yes. Yeah, so what you, we can already observe nowadays on the market is that large companies, and it's not just Tesla, but also European ones, are investing into crypto for balance sheet management reasons. So from a treasury perspective, a cash management perspective, they are already starting. But that's a very, very financial topic. The other thing, and that's much more interesting, is the NFT example with the National Basketball Association, the NBA in the US, for example, right? Where they are using 
the blockchain technology and uh, the NFT space to uh, create a completely new way of, of business and a new way of giving their fans ownership about moments and experiences and sports, where it's simply about an NFT represents a certain video scene of a basketball game of, for example, Michael Jordan in the 90s. Uh, and this is where the real power of blockchain technology is still lying around and will be utilized over the next years really strongly, I believe, by all different kinds of applications and therefore all different kinds also of companies and use cases. Yeah, very interesting. Um, t- tell me a little bit about, is it Memstock or Memestock? I'm not, no, I'm not sure that the most common pronunciation. Yeah, from my perspective, it's Memestock. But Let's go with that. that. <laughs> exactly, as always, that's, uh, that's um, not that clear. Yeah, I think the main topic when it comes to meme stocks or so meme coins, right? The big difference to invest into, for example, Bitcoin, where there is uh, a, a certain thought behind technology or a technological basis or other coins uh, where there is a strong project team behind and they have clear goals. Uh, meme stocks and meme coins are mainly driven by community and internet movements. So where people simply get it uh, around uh, a certain um, asset um, to drive that for whatever reason. That can be for fun. That can be for uh, bringing a hedge fund with uh, like Jimmy GameStop earlier this year as a idealistic uh, fight down uh, who shortened that asset uh, or just simply due to uh, a movement out of some, some internet forums like Reddit or so, right? So in the end, this topic shows us one thing very, very strongly, social trading and uh, gathering a group together and invest in one asset and boost it in one or the other way got much, much stronger over the last one to two years. Um, and is nowadays definitely a factor which has to be factored in, in uh, the topic of capital markets and investing in general. Interesting. It's changing at such a pace. And I guess one of my final questions then, we've, we've spoken about how far um, the industry has come over the last couple of years because of technology, regulation, trust, uh, ma- ma- greater adoption. Can I be very unfair and ask you to take out your crystal ball and maybe tell me a little <laughs> bit of what, what you think this space will look like in another two or three years? Is there certain types of technology that you're very excited about? Are there, is there new regulation coming that you're, you feel will be transformative? Yeah, for sure. I think to answer that question is always hard, but I will give it a try, okay? Um, regulation, I think that's more or less on track. There won't be any larger changes. That's mainly about adoption and maturity. The other topic is really about applications, and there it's super hard to, to guesstimate uh, what will happen. Um, but what we definitely could already observe over the last months with not just NFT and DeFi, but also other forms of application is that we are entering now this phase of adoption where suddenly a, a creative community of software engineers and uh, creative idea givers um, are getting into that space and taking blockchain technology, which already got more and more efficient and effective and faster um, to bring all different kinds of applications. And that doesn't matter if it's financial services applications, uh, which suddenly uh, become decentralized, if it's online games based on blockchain technology, if it's um, having ownership in a tokenized way of assets of all different kinds of 
um, types uh, of, of assets and so on. So long story short, in two to three years, we will see much more applications of blockchain on our everyday lives. This is really what I believe. And also in um, the topic of the internet in the future, this will simply be baked in um, the use cases for blockchain into that. Okay, and I and I take it from the, the how you've spoken about this industry and the excitement you speak about it with that you don't regret your move into this whole world. You you don't you don't feel you'd like to be back in the in the world of traditional banking. Uh, yeah, very well. For me, it's definitely the following. Right, crypto is the future, and also how if you would as of today invent capital markets, they would look like Bitcoin and crypto. Why? Because all the restrictions traditional markets have, opening hours, um, the minimum um, investment um, into at least one share and so on, that's only due to legacy and historical reasons, right? And if you would technologically-wise invent capital markets and therefore also financial service industry as of today or with this year, they would look completely different. And what we will see over the next years is exactly evolving of the uh, traditional world into that modern and very, very technologically driven um, um, yeah, world we are already with crypto, as an example. That's an excellent place to leave it. Lucas Enzerdorfer Conrad, thank you so much for, the, for your taking your time to join us here in Tales International Studios. Thank you very much. It was great being here. Thanks for the time. And thank you for listening to this episode of TELUS International Studios. If you enjoyed the interview with Lucas, please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow the series for free on Spotify. And do check out some of the other great interviews on the series with global leaders in customer experience, innovation and digital technology. Hope you can join us for the next episode of TELUS International Studios. Take care.